Welcome to Courageous Parenting Podcast, a weekly show to equip parents with biblical truth on raising confident Christian kids in an uncertain world. Hi, I'm Angie from Courageous Mom. And I'm Isaac from Resolute Man. We've been married 19 years and have seen the fruit in raising our eight kids biblically based on the raw truth found in the Bible. We can no longer let the culture win the hearts of children. Too many children from Christian families are walking away from the faith by age 18, and it doesn't have to be this way. It shouldn't be this way. Join us as we start an important conversation about effective parenting in a fallen world. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, you got Isaac and Angie here. We're glad to see you guys again. Yeah, absolutely. One of our favorite things to do, although it is about 11 p.m., isn't it, Oh, yeah. You guys were shooting this podcast pretty, pretty late um, because, as as you know, we have many children and life (laughs) goes on. And this is a good time to do it. Ministry. It's quiet right now, right? It is. It's quiet. And we are actually talking about a really sensitive topic. We are. And we didn't want to re upset our children either by talking about the things we're going to talk about again because we've already kind of talked to them. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, most of you know, uh, Angie just recently had a miscarriage. So that was tough. Mm -hmm. But there's always a lot to learn. There really is. And um, God is always faithful. And he was very present in my time of need and um, the way that the body just surrounded me. Yeah. And you guys were part of that. I mean, the prayers, the messages that both yeah, Isaac so and thankful. I received, the emails, um, the texts, all of it, it just really, really overwhelming, actually. And cool to see how the body of Christ around the world kind of came together. Yeah. People probably want to know, how old are you, Angela? I'm 40. How old are you, Isaac? 44. <laughs> Still have four years on you. That's right. Um, yeah. So I'm considered, what do they call it, geriatric age <laughs> or uh, advanced maternal age, elderly yeah. maternal. Those are yeah. all terms that I have been called before being. So what are, yeah, what are the older. things people are going to get out of this episode? Well, if you have ever had a miscarriage, I would hope that... Um, I would hope that this would be encouraging to you. We're going to share probably probably eight or nine different passages of scripture. Um, So, of course, there's always biblical encouragement in this, but we're going to share our story of miscarriage that we just walked through in the last couple weeks, Um, what we decided to name our baby. So Mm -hmm. maybe some people have gone through a miscarriage and they haven't had full closure yet with their Mm. baby or they haven't. um, Maybe it's something they haven't healed from. And so I would hope that just by sharing um, what we're going to share today, maybe they would be um, motivated to pursue real healing from that trauma. Cool. Um, also, if anyone has ever known anybody who's had a miscarriage, I think it could be really helpful just to be able to hear from somebody who's gone through it, maybe get some tips on how to comfort people who've yeah, gone through I, it. I, isn't it true? A lot of times um, people become inward about their miscarriage versus sharing Oh, for sure. It. I mean, it's a very intimate thing, isn't it, ladies? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's very intimate. I don't, um, and and this, honestly, this is not me. I can't take credit for any of that. It really is just the vision that God has given me to just want to glorify him yeah. in so all we'll, things. So, so we'll dive into it, but just as a reminder, um, we put out an episode every week. We haven't stopped for over a year now, every single week, mm-hmm. no matter what. And it, the yeah. purpose is we're really passionate about it is to impact 1 million families and their legacies. And that is a way 
we can help uh, impact the kingdom know, of God. The kingdom of God. Yeah, yeah. So it's huge. So one of the ways to do that is uh, give five stars on iTunes by just tapping. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. A written review are amazing. We read everyone. Often we even share them. And when we see you share a post on social media or the podcast <laughs> yeah. or something like that, so encouraging. But we also know that you're raising your hand up and saying, I'm a courageous I'm, parent too. I'm yeah. a courageous parent and yeah. I'm, I believe in this movement right. and I want to help it. So we really appreciate that. Yeah. By the way, all the notes are courageousparenting.com. Uh, video of the episodes, scriptures, mm-hmm. and resources we mention, including uh, signing up for the date night one sheet and the free Courageous Parenting Workshop, which people That's are right. loving. So let's dive in. Yeah. So um, I would also say that, you know, if you're also going, Mom, I haven't had a miscarriage, or maybe I know a couple people, um, we're also going to talk a little bit about um, advice for someone who's going through a miscarriage, some tips on that. And then, um, how to let your kids or help your kids to grieve mm. through it because that's something that's not really talked about very often. Super important. We're just going to touch on that one. We may have to do a whole podcast on that because this could take a long time if we were to get into all those topics. Sure. So, um, so I first wanted to just say um, a lot of people have asked me how far along I was. Oh, yeah. And we were about – well, when the miscarriage happened, we were eight weeks along. Mm-hmm. And so we had announced the pregnancy two weeks before. Yeah. Actually. So some people are probably wondering, you know, why announce it so soon, like right away right. like that, uh, versus wait and make sure, you know, everything's going well before you announce it. <laughs> yeah. You always like to ask me the hard questions. Um, actually, no, I mean, I've, we've, talked about this we've um i've i wrote an actual blog post on this topic many years ago back when we had solomon and he's now four and a half um part of it is that i have learned because of having um hg and being very sick with morning sickness that um i need prayer i have just been humbled a lot in my mothering in the last 20 years Mm -hmm. and i i will be honest it's a dying unto myself anytime I'm willing to receive another baby. Kids are a blessing. Mm-hmm. They really are. But getting to the place of having a child for me is not as easy as it is for other people. And so I have to die to myself mm. before and being willing to receive the gift, which a lot of people don't experience the need for that. Yeah. Um, for example, I'm like sometimes even I've, they've had times where I've been crying on the floor of the shower asking God, Lord, if it's your will that we have another baby, I just pray that you would help me not to be sick this one time. I'm giving mm-hmm. you my body as a vessel. Would you please bless me, right? And and I have asked humbly for prayers yeah. from sisters in Christ, from the body. And so when we find out we're pregnant, I ask, I tell people because I'm wanting prayer, Yeah. right? Yeah. And it wasn't until our um, eighth pregnancy that when we lost Sela three years ago, that I was even more under the conviction and opinion. I mean, this is an opinion. This isn't a biblical like perspective, although I do think that it's good to be transparent with yeah. one another and to want to be living in a way where people are praying for you and your needs. Mm. That part is biblical. Um, but when we lost Sela, I was really thankful that we had all of those people to walk through that with us and to be praying for us and lifting us up because we needed it. Yeah, we did. You know, and so I think that there's an element of when people hold back 
and then they lose a baby and no one knows that isolation that occurs. I don't think that that's biblical, mm-hmm. right? That unknowing that, and um, it doesn't allow, okay, so this is the part where I do believe firmly that biblically, it doesn't allow the body to actually practice what God has commanded the body to do, which right. is to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. And if we truly believe the babies are a blessing, then we should be able to announce it and the body of Christ should rejoice with us believing that the baby is a blessing. And if we lose a baby, because the baby dies, then they should be obeying scripture to weep with those who weep. And so we hold it back. We actually prevent the church from being able to be obedient to God in either way. And your kids, if you don't let your kids know, they're not experiencing God with you. We don't just experience God when he comes through with huge blessings. We also experience God in the suffering. Right. And sometimes... A lot of times it's good to include your kids in that mm-hmm. so they they experientially understand the full fullness of God. Of yeah, God. That's right. Isn't and I think that if more people were willing to open up their lives in that way, there might be less kids growing up and then having wavering faith, right? Because yeah. they understand the hard things more than most. Yeah. yeah. Um but you know the the rejoicing with those who rejoice, weeping with those who weep. That's Romans twelve fifteen. If you want to look it up, um, that's just kind of been the theme verse that has been something that's been on my heart since I wrote Redeeming Childbirth. I mean, yeah. I, I wrote about that regarding this concept of rejoicing with moms when they have an awesome, godly mm. experience in birth versus being jealous or competitive that you didn't do it that way, right? Yeah. And it's the same thing with when you lose a baby, being able to weep with those who weep rather than, oh, that makes me uncomfortable and I'm going to I'm gonna run from that, right? Yeah. And so there is a call for all Christians to obey that scripture. And um, I would just maybe even ask you, if, here's here's an exhortation, ask yourself, is it easier for me to rejoice with other people or is it easier for me to weep with people? And then ask yourself why. Mm. And because the reality is we're supposed to be good at both. We're Amen. supposed to do both. Yeah. Um, so there you go. Now, I um, preached on Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Mm. Actually, mm-hmm. I think the whole chapter of Philippians 4. Yeah, you did the whole chapter. And that was just prior to that first ultrasound visit, I believe. Mm-hmm. That was the and the week after we announced. And, and God is so after. good because he tees up the scripture and messages we need in perfect timing, doesn't he? He really does. <laughs> yeah, he does. And so that became kind of Philippians 4 became a key verse for you, right? You want to share with us? Yeah. So Philippians, for those of you who aren't aware, this is what it says. Um, (laughs) In verse four, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And then if you skip to verse six, it says, do not be anxious about anything. So, and I had shared, I had shared in the podcast where we actually made the announcement for our baby this was actually the scripture verse that we used in that podcast oh, I think. Funny. not funny because i was anxious about potentially losing a baby and i shared that in mm-hmm. that um and if you want to hear about that part of the story you can go back that's i think it's labeled we're making a big announcement or something like yeah. that right um and obedience to god mm-hmm. and so uh in that that journey i i was i was anxious I'll be honest. And this scripture was really ministering to me. It says, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, 
peace of God. So mm-hmm. a lot of times people actually say the peace which surpasses all understanding. And I've even quoted it that way before because it is, but it's the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Okay. So that's um, chapter four, verses four through seven. And then it continues on to, it's finally brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, you know, it's a really encouraging passage of scripture. And I had been working on memorizing that. And I, I just was meditating on, on Thanksgiving and being thankful for things and looking for the things to be thankful for. And, and you led me in that too, even when we were in the ultrasound room, because the doctor wasn't very hopeful. Mm-hmm. And you said, well, there's hope because there's a heartbeat. Yeah. And so in that moment, it was like, oh, yeah, okay, be thankful for the heartbeat. Just be thankful for the heartbeat. Um, because when we when we went in, we didn't have any suspicion of anything being off, you guys. Um, everything seemed to be normal. Yeah. And we went in for our first ultrasound, and right away the doctor was super skeptical and mm-hmm. kind of neg. I think probably because of my age, right, Isaac? I think so. Yeah. I see a lot of challenge. Yeah, and uh, right away was like, well, do you want to get this over with? And we'll either like – have the good news or the bad news. I mean, it was just very cynical. Yeah. We're like, what? And I uh, looked at the ultrasound. And of course, for a mom who's had 10 pregnancies, I know when an ultrasound looks good and when it doesn't look good. And this was the first time I'd ever seen an ultrasound like this because we saw the gestation sac with the yolk sac not on the inside. The heartbeat was on the outside of the gestation sac, which turns to the amniotic sac. Mm-hmm. And we, like I, right away I noticed it, and you were like, wait, what? And she was pointing out the heartbeat. Yeah, and looked different. And it just didn't look right. And I could have become anxious and fearful, but right away I just wanted to know what was going on, what to expect, and was thankful for that heartbeat. And um, she didn't really give us a lot of information, but tried to kind of backpedal as soon as Isaac said, well, there's hope, there's a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. And she said, okay, well, let's make an appointment for next week for another ultrasound and see what happens. And so many people joined us in prayer right there. We're hopeful. And that next doctor visit came around. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was hard. Um, I would say that when we got to that next doctor's appointment, um, well, first to back up during that week that I got that flu, mm-hmm. which was insane. Yeah. No one else in the family got it. Our whole church got it, right? Yeah, it was strange. It was so strange. And that never happens. First of all, I hardly ever get sick. Yeah. Secondly, sickness doesn't happen and then not hit everybody in a family of nine right, yeah. or 10. And so I got really sick. And I remember when I was sick and I was vomiting, ugh, just insanely, I thought there's no way the baby's going to make it through this. I just kind of like was already starting to prepare my heart for that, starting to kind of grieve a little bit um, and was very prayerful, but I focused on this passage of scripture and tried to take my thoughts captive and preach to myself the truth. And I shared that with a lot of people on our Instagram, right? So on the Courageous Mom Instagram, I shared um, the Bible verses I was meditating and the stories and all those things. Um, But this is the thing. When I look at this scripture, it says, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. That to me was like, it's okay for me to be requesting of God and praying to him to save the baby. Mm Mm-hmm. And so that was what we were praying for. We were praying yeah. for a miracle. We were praying for the yolk sac to move to the gestational sac. Um, daily with daily. the kids. Yes. 
And the peace of God, which surpasses mm. all understanding, did guard my heart and mind in Christ yeah. Jesus because I was able to go on throughout that week and yeah. was fine, really. Like yeah. I, it was a very odd peace, actually. Yeah. I mean, not odd. It was God's peace, but and then we got human. to the next doctor's appointment, and they showed us that my body had already started the process of what they called it fading, right? Mm. And so there was no heartbeat. And uh, just about 10 minutes before the doctor even came in to do the ultrasound, I had this massive migraine headache hit me. I looked at Isaac and I said, my hormones are crashing. I know this is not going to be good mm. and we need to brace ourselves. And for sure, we got the bad news, right? Mm. The, I, the baby had died. And then we shift to the what can we expect physically? Because if, if you guys don't know my story from previous, before we lost our first baby, I had hemorrhaged um, with two births, one pretty severely. Our sixth our sixth child was a really severe hemorrhage where it's I was in and call. out of consciousness and great, amazing birth. But yeah. then hour, a couple hours later, I, I lost a lot of blood, uh, too much blood. Mm. And um, thank goodness I was able to be nursed back to health naturally that was awesome um but i've had a lot of close calls and then when we lost sayla i lost 67 percent of my blood had to have emergency surgery and two blood transfusions and was even closer to death yeah um after nine hours of hemorrhaging yeah that was super super close yeah and so we and i shared this story more in depth on my blog you can go look it up at courageousmom.com and just click on the miscarriage tab but um after having walked through those kinds of things you become high risk automatically mm. especially when you're older and you've had those experiences but also for us we like we go okay we're not gonna have fear but we need to be wise we need yeah. to set a plan and the doctor started trying to give us some ideas of the plan um and it felt much more safe yeah in that regard um and i experienced a few things that i wasn't anticipating yeah so, well we had the doctor's visit too and then he dropped me off at the airport i had a trip that was there was no way not to do this trip and so yeah, I had running to, a training for I had 45 to, people. I had something. to fly out and do that. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, while I was gone, you started. Yes. Yeah, so the miscarriage started pretty much, I mean, when the headache started, right? Yeah. Um, I started bleeding more on Tuesday. And um, you were out of town till Wednesday night. And our church body was just amazing. Amazing, yeah. Really there for me, um, available, helpful. Any wanting daughter, to care for Megan's the kids. Yeah, I was just going to get to that. So um, our daughter Megan's 15, and she slept in our room while Isaac was gone in case there was an emergency in the middle of the night. And she and I, I mean, she's just a, such a precious heart, you guys. She loves babies. Love. I mean, I'm super close to her. We have a really close relationship. And um, I have a close relationship with both of our daughters, but our oldest daughter was at college, mm -hmm. which was really hard for both her and I, um, for all of us through this. And um, it was a different experience this time all around. So Megan, um, before Isaac left, was up crying for that whole week before and started the grieving process before I actually lost the baby. Mm -hmm. And it was really, really hard for her. And cried into the night late in our arms, right? And um, and then when Isaac was gone, she and I would watch movies to try to, you know, kill the time and spend time together. And um, one night, 
we were watching a superhero movie and uh, I'm watching these superheroes go running towards danger. Mm -hmm. They're running towards pain and suffering and all that thing. And it, what hit me was that that is what Christians are supposed to do. Yeah. Well, at first it hit me like uh, as an elder's wife, like that is what I'm supposed to do, right? And yeah. that's what leaders should be doing. But then it hit me, I'm like, no, that's what all Christians should do. We should all run towards those who are suffering, Amen. not away from them. And that that's what God did. Yeah. That's what Jesus did when he was in our ministry. And if you don't know what to say, just rely on the Holy Spirit to guide you and be there. That's right. You don't always have to say something. Yeah. That's the thing is that God sometimes just wants people to sit mm -hmm. and listen. And um, so Megan and I talked about that um, concept in depth. And we went through scripture. Together. We had a really good time um, talking about that. And so there were already lessons happening, is my point, right? Yeah. So as we were preparing for this, and then that night, um, I'll just share briefly that, and this, you know, could be, a, I'm going to try not to make it graphic, but I lost a clot. And when I saw that, I was okay. I was like emotionally fine in my mind and in my spirit. And I took a picture of it because I knew I needed to keep track because mm -hmm. of my previous hemorrhages. Went to wash my hands and immediately my body started going into shock. And mm -hmm. I had never experienced anything like that before. Because in my mind, I'm like, get self-control. What mm -hmm. is going on? And I told Megan, I am freezing. Like, I am really cold. And I got into the bed, put the covers on, and I start, my teeth started chattering. My body started shaking. And I could not stop. And her instincts immediately kicked in. She grabbed all the blankets, put them on top of me, grabbed a stress away oil and rubbed mm. it on my neck and had me smelling it. And then she put her body weight on me and held me and started praying. And within 35 seconds, it stopped. Wow. And she was steady. She was not traumatized. She Amazing. was not affected by it. And then she came and she sat down and we talked about it a little bit and we prayed together. And then we finished our movie that we had been watching, right? Where we yeah. talked about suffering. And I, but what hit me is I've been looking back on that and going, okay, so I know that I processed my previous traumatic experience with the first miscarriage for sure. I yeah. wrote a ton about it. I shared about yeah, it. Yeah. All, like there's not, there was nothing left to do. We had a memorial service. We named the, like there's nothing left to do, right? But yet I do think that there was an element of when my eyes saw the clot, there was some kind of trauma or scarring in my subconscious that kicked in and my body reacted. Mm. And there was no, I couldn't have control of that, right? Yeah. And so um, I do think that there is an element there where God still has healing to do in me. And so that's why I'm sharing this with you guys, because if you don't, if I hadn't done the work I had done, I can't imagine what the reaction could have been this time. Yeah. A lot of times it's just not talked about. Couples don't talk about it. Um, and then it just long-term hurts. Yeah. And, and I just think of the spiritual growth that would have been missed out on because during our first miscarriages, when God was showing me, and I was writing about giving thanks in the midst of mm -hmm. grieving and we weeping while we worship. And yeah. and it's okay to grieve your baby because of First Thessalonians 4.13, which we'll read in a minute. Um, and, and that there were just so many huge lessons. And so having gone through that had actually prepared us for this trial, which is kind of like what we shared in a different podcast about the growth cycle, right? Mm -hmm. And how when you walk through something, if you engage it and you embrace it and you walk to God and you search scripture and you're going after him, he grows you so you're ready for 
the next th- potential trial that could come. Yeah, amen. And then you had some uh, amazing women come from church yeah. and help you, right? Right. So Tuesday, I just lost that one clot. We slept, and then Wednesday was the next day. Um, and, well, it wasn't just the people in our church. Like that first night after I dropped you off, um, a dear friend, Lisa Jacobson, mm-hmm. um, she was our elder's wife from our previous home church. She called me up and said, I am taking you out and getting you some dinner and mm-hmm. we're going to go out. And exactly that needed. was exactly what I needed. Yeah. And so it wasn't just the women in our church. It was women in our community that yeah. really reached out. I had Veronica Partridge was texting me at yeah. prayers and checking on me and calling Megan, che- texting Megan, making sure I was okay. And, Amazing. you know, and then Jen and Stacy, um, they, um, I invited them to come and be with us on Wednesday night so um, when the miscarriage started because you weren't home yet. I was trying to get home. Yeah, yep. I was in route, but it was going to take several hours. Right. And that night I was actually supposed to lead a women's meeting and I had felt like God was saying, "You need, we need to talk about the language of empathy and these different things, right? So I had this like study prepared and, and it was interesting because the ladies met together, all of them. And they prayed for me, like our body prayed for me. And they worked, talked about how they have empathized with people, how they've dealt with loss and different things, whatever it was, and um, had some really deep discussion, and I guess, in prayer time. And then they came, Jen and Stacy came to be with me, and they stayed with Megan and, and me in my room. And Austin, you know, of course, he was home in case there was an emergency as well. And, yeah. and so I just felt the love. I felt care because they weren't with their families. They were with me. And um, we, the minute they came in, I started bawling because, yeah. you know, it just was really a loving gesture that they were there with me in a really hard time. Um, and they didn't say anything. They just hugged me kissed my forehead exactly. and sat with yeah. me and we had the worship while weeping playlist going which we had been listening to for two weeks straight already um which is free it's my spotify playlist um you can find that on Well, and they Home. all prayed that everything would stop so that i could be home right and, and it did it did and that was the crazy part is that that was it was really interesting because here i was like miscarrying the baby and it was like three hours straight and they arrived and i'm still going to the bathroom and we're worshiping we have worship music playing we're laughing together crying together you know all the things mm-hmm. and all of a sudden out of nowhere my body just stops. It's like it, it obeyed God's command to stop. And it just awesome. stopped. And then you got home two hours later. Yeah. And um, I, I – it okay, so this is the thing is that I wasn't sure if it was over or not because that did not seem like a miscarriage mm. to me, not compared mm. to what we experienced with Selah. And um, it's interesting because I've been at other women's miscarriages serving them as a doula, yeah. right? Um, and even what I experienced this time was not like what they experienced either. And so, um, and it's just so what I have come to the conclusion through experience of serving others and walking through two different experiences is just like I've, I've written about this with birth. No pregnancy and birth is the same. Well, guess what? No miscarriage is the same. It's just something no one talks about. And I think that a lot of people who go through a traumatic experience think that if they have a miscarriage again, it's going to be the same. And I just have to say, it's not necessarily going to be that way. It's not. And let's take a moment. We're going to go into the lessons learned in a second. But I just want to take a real quick moment and Mm -hmm. invite you, if you haven't joined us yet, into the Courageous Parenting 
mentor program. Uh, it's the six week self-paced program with live interaction with us, even text messaging with us, mm -hmm. um, and being part of the community with all the other courageous parents that have been through the program or currently going through the program with you. Uh, we would mm -hmm. love to have you. We talk, there's the six sessions are titled Theology, mm -hmm. 37 scriptures, and then and you got the heart, so important. Mm -hmm. And then you got purity and mm -hmm. um, discipline, 10 steps to you know, biblical discipline. Biblical discipline. Yeah. And then you got uh, discipleship, and then you got equipping. Uh, the, the courage lesson. Yeah. yeah. So it's really, really powerful. Praise God. God is doing amazing things with it. It's also one of the key things that helps support our ministry. So, so that we can uh, keep doing the podcast. Yep. Right? So if you're interested <laughs> yeah. in that, uh, there's now even payment plans on the site and opportunities for small groups and churches and people that mm -hmm. lead small groups and better pricing for small groups. So you can go to CourageousParenting.com if you want to check that out. But let's talk about the lessons learned. Yeah. So I would say, like I was mentioning before, that still it's a, it's always um, a lesson. It's like preaching to yourself and practicing and choosing. You have to make a choice to walk in what you know is right, even if you know it already, right? Mm -hmm. And so worshiping while we weep was something that I desired to do, to bring glory to God and to also, um, because I personally know that when your eyes are kept on the Lord, then it's hard to focus on what you're going through. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just, it's actually God's um, way of blessing us. And in fact, there's a scripture in my, I mentioned it in Redeeming Childbirth in my book, which is you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. That's Isaiah 26, three. Mm -hmm. And, um, I actually, it was interesting because I started reading through uh, Redeeming Childbirth because I was going through it with a couple of the moms that were pregnant at our church. Well, a couple of them were reading it and I became pregnant again. So I started reading through this again because we want to also do another edition of it. And I was reading through the worship aspect, which is worship is not about us. It's all about God. It's about adoring him. And you can read more about what that means in redeeming childbirth in the chapter ultrasound of worship and crowning him in worship. Um, but I, when I went through my first miscarriage with Selah, I wanted to have the same heart posture that I had in birth because frankly, I don't like the word miscarriage. It is, um, a loss of a baby you're pregnant. So pregnancy loss is one, it's, I think it's a better terminology um, because it wasn't something I did not carrying the baby right. Yeah, It's like I didn't drop my baby. Miscarriage mm -hmm. is such a bad word no, for it, actually. Yeah, words are perfect. And um, yeah. And I, <laughs> so when it comes to worshiping God in a time of weeping and keeping my eyes on him, I wanted to be birthing my baby, even though it was prematurely because the baby had died in the same way that I had birthed my other babies, right? Because I want, I didn't want it to be, I didn't want my only memory of, or my, some of my strongest memories of my children that I don't get to have with me here on earth to be this traumatic experience when I had this like beautiful experience with these other kids. And so one way of doing that is to be able to worship through miscarriage mm. and people might be listening going that is insane right to worship through that but i have to tell you guys that god's word is true and when you keep your mind stayed on him 
he does pour a perfect peace over you. Yeah. And, um, you know, with Selah, we were worshiping the whole time that we were miscarrying, but God allowed me to walk through what I walked through in that trial. And a, a dear friend of ours who we go to church with now, Holly, had said to me back then, wow, God really trusts you with the trial. And I had never thought of that before. And But my heart was always to bring him glory because yeah. my life's not about me. Your life's not about you. We believe in the Great Commission. We believe in every ounce of God's grace and that we are nobodies actually in that regard. Right. And so why, why wouldn't I think that way? Right. Yeah. And, um, God in his goodness, this time, as I was worshiping him, God really had mercy on me because that experience that I had for those two hours was the majority of the miscarriage. And I did end up losing more tissue on the next Monday and then it was over, but it was not the cramping and contractions and birthing experience that I had for those three hours before yeah. you got home on Wednesday night, which were much more peaceful. And um, so I look at that and I'm like, wow, God had mercy on me. And and there are a couple scriptures um, that I want to just share with you briefly. One is Romans 12, 1, which says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And to me, that's what I was doing. I was offering my body as a living sacrifice, right? Um, to be able to have another baby come into the world. That was my spiritual worship, yep. in a sense. Um, but God was presenting his mercy over me as I was doing that and um so i isaac and i as we had been praying about what we were going to name the baby yeah we landed on mercy so we named the baby mercy um and then there's one other scripture that was well there's actually quite a few scriptures but i don't have enough time to share them all here but psalm 86 verse 15 says but you O lord are a god merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And I definitely felt God's mercy and graciousness over me in the miscarriage. And so it just seemed like the perfect name for the baby. Um, and so every time that we've walked through loss, there have been certain scriptures that we've kind of clung to. Yeah. And as we've been studying mercy in scripture and reading more and more scriptures about it, it kind of, um, helps us to feel like we're learning about our baby that we yeah. don't get to actually have here with us on earth. Um, one of the things that I was washing or reminding myself over and over again was Lord gird me with gladness and wanting to be glad, not wanting <laughs> to be depressed. Um, and I think that that was really helpful, but during the week when you were home, when we were waiting for to find out, you read Ecclesiastes 7 to mm -hmm. the kids. Mm -hmm. And in there, there's a passage of scripture that says that it is better to be in the house of the morning than the house of the laughter. Yeah. Very counterintuitive, as God often is. Right. And then, the, then it goes on to say that a sad countenance makes a heart better. And you went over and you preached through this whole chapter, This well, it was the first 18 verses of Ecclesiastes 7, yeah. and went through it with the kids. It took us a couple hours, 
it was so powerful for me to where I realized, okay, it's good for me to say, Lord, gird me with gladness, right? Mm -hmm. But also it's okay for me to have a sad countenance because then people will be praying for me. They will ask me what's going on. I have an opportunity to be transparent and be encouraged. Yeah. And real fellowship can happen. But if somebody's being fake and they don't, they're pretending so they don't look like they have a sad countenance, is their heart actually made better? Even if they're, they can be going through something horrible and putting a mask on. Yeah. Their heart's not going to be made better. Right. And um, so there was just, there was a lot of that kind of hey conversation. Guys, if you're like, wow, how did you, you preach for two hours to your, just your family? <laughs> well, really- yeah. We had, um, no church that particular Sunday because so everybody many, was everybody sick. was sick. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I um, led the family in that. But you know what's interesting is that the Holy Spirit can totally work through you if you have faith. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't prepare anything to talk to my family about. Yeah. Um, that scripture came to me, and uh, I just started going mm-hmm. through it, and the Spirit led that so i just thought Mm -hmm. that might be edifying sometimes you go how you know i'm not used to preaching or doing these things well are you trusting the holy spirit and um are you doing it and if you do it it'll get better and better but also the spirit will help you so uh super super cool to bathe your family in the word of god um what advice do you have people uh i know it's important not to isolate Mm -hmm. and uh rush into being busy and all these kinds of things yeah what advice do you have on that So for sure, you don't want to isolate yourself. A lot of women um, feel isolated without purposefully isolating themselves simply because they haven't shared that they were pregnant and then all of a sudden they found out they have loss, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But there is also that initial, I think it's a human reaction to to just withdraw and to be to isolate really um and to want to mourn alone and want to not feel like you're a burden to other people or make other people feel uncomfortable or um but the bible says that we're to carry one another's burdens and we are actually stealing the blessing from our brothers and sisters in christ if we're not letting people in so don't isolate the next thing would be to not rush into busyness one of the things that i think women often struggle with i know i do is that i will make myself busy so that i don't have to actually deal with the grief that i'm going through to like to kind of to go around it right and so i would just encourage you to rest and to not get busy god and i have this interesting relationship i feel like he knows well, obviously he knows me better than myself. So I almost feel like sometimes that's why he allows me to go through such traumatic experiences where I'm literally like he's sitting me down and he's saying, rest. You're not capable physically of doing anything. And it's been the best thing for me because it's made me seek him out and get in the word. Um, The third thing, which kind of went with don't isolate, is be transparent because you could be with people and not be transparent, which can be isolating or lonely. Like it's kind of a paradox, right? To be with people all the time, but still feel lonely. And if we feel that way, it's because we're not being real. That's actually on us. It's our fault. If we're with people and we still feel lonely, it's because we are not being transparent. Um, The fourth thing I would say is spend as much time in scripture, prayer, and worship as possible because grief is disorienting. It is a peculiar thing to walk through. And 
our culture does not allow people to grieve biblically. And so you got to be in scripture to fight for yourself, to advocate really for yourself to be able to grieve biblically. Um, the next thing would be to be patient with yourself because there isn't like a timeline of when you're going to be healed right? Like, especially if you go through something like losing a child or losing a baby, you just, you, you, you're never going to forget, right? That doesn't mean that life doesn't go on. Yeah. It does, but healing looks different. So you'd be patient with yourself. Um, and then the last two are very practical pieces of advice. Um, naming your baby is kind of a really special thing. Of course, this isn't a must do, but the Bible does say that God knows us before he created us in our mother's womb. Okay, look up Psalm 139. Yeah. And so if he knew us before he created us in our mother's womb and you had a baby that was in your womb, then that means God knew them. And he knew them by name, actually, when you look at the scriptures. And so your baby has a name. What is it? Seek the Lord for what your baby's name should be. And then have a memorial of some kind. We had a memorial for Selah mm-hmm. where we went on an RV trip with all the kids and we did worship on the beach. And shared a little scripture and we had some quiet time. You gave a rose to each of the kids that they could either throw the whole rose in the ocean or they could take the petals off and just pray. Mm-hmm. And it was, the, the, you let them all kind of span out and they had quiet time. I remember seeing Austin standing in the ocean holding his guitar, singing worship music because he led worship on the the sand I had given him a couple songs to practice and bring and and then you took the kids back to the RV and let me have a couple more hours on the beach by myself and we needed that as a family we needed that closure together in an intimate way and talk about teaching your kids to value life and to be pro-life and to to be patient with those who grieve and that it's okay to cry and that it's okay to weep. It's okay. Yeah. And it's good to worship God in the midst of hard times and to be thankful and to look for those things. And they, they learned all the hard things that, that we didn't even learn until we were older yeah. at a young age. And so I would say that those are my top like things that are must do's. If you need help, there's another um, website called stillbirthday.com. I highly recommend it. They have a lot of great resources. I also have some books, um, my favorite one is called Grieving the Child I Never Knew by Kathy Wannaberg. Pain Redeemed by Natasha Metzler is for people who struggle with infertility. Then there's The Problem of Pain by C.S. Lewis. Um, Safe in the Arms of God by John MacArthur. And I Will Carry You by Angie Smith. So again, all those will be at CourageousParenting.com. Hit podcast right. and you can see a list of them. Yeah. So I would say, you know, to wrap up, I would I would say that we definitely experienced some new lessons this time, but I think that what I also saw that was super encouraging was that God really had grown all of us, even our family. We did grieve. We had to deal with fears that we didn't really know were there again, like the kids and you were really scared for me, Yeah, right? absolutely. Um, fearful that maybe I would bleed out again and, and potentially die. And so we had to face those fears. We had to mm-hmm. deal with them, which is a healthy thing to deal with. Hard. Yeah. But good, right? Yeah. And I had to deal with that, right? And so um, the Lord is near to those who are brokenhearted. That's Psalm 34, 18. And we definitely experienced that. Um, but through this all, I just wanted to just share with you guys like the thing that I've been wanting to say the most, which is we must never glorify the suffering, but only the lamb who was slain. And 
that is my heart. That's why I want to keep sharing scripture, right? Like it's okay if you're grieving to ask God to take the cup from you. Jesus did that in the Garden of Gethsemane. What do you mean by glorifying the suffering? By focusing so much on it and maybe even praising it instead of giving worship to God, Mm -hmm. right? And going, oh, look at what I walked through, Mm -hmm. right? And um, focusing so much on that, like God is close to those who are brokenhearted. There is, it's better to be in the house of the mourning than those in the house of laughter, right? There are so many scriptures. um, Blessed are those who mourn for they shall see God. And there's so many encouraging passages of scripture. And yet if you don't walk through suffering, you can definitely miss out on a lot. It's hard to relate and empathize with people Mm -hmm. um, at first. But I do believe that there's a lie that the enemy tries to um, divide, or not divide, but prevent people from actually being in close, intimate, biblical friendship, which the lie is, if I haven't gone through exactly what that person's gone through, then I can't possibly relate and I can't possibly minister to them. And that's a lie from the enemy. Mm -hmm. Because the reality is you don't need to relate. You don't need to say anything. The Bible says weep with those who weep. Does it say ex- exhort them, correct them, have the right passage of scripture to preach at them, share your experience with them? No. When someone is going through suffering, they just want someone to love them as Jesus would love them. And what did Jesus do? He he prayed for people. He walked with people. He was mm-hmm. long-suffering with people. Um And that's what we're called to be for one another. And I really think that there's this element of, you know, where sometimes we can accidentally bring too much attention to the suffering when really what we're supposed to be doing is glorifying God. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, James 1 says it best in verse two, it says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And then it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without approach and it will be given to him. And I think that if you're struggling with knowing how to say something and you're, you don't have wisdom and how to help somebody, this is go God. He gives generously. And that we have, we do need to count it joy when we meet trials because we can trust that God is going to work a good fruit in us. Mm -hmm. And so, um, if you have gone through any struggling grief, miscarriage or loss, um, I would love to hear from you. I'd love to, um, just connect on social media and you can find out that we have a lot of blog posts written on courageousmom.com. We have a whole list of worship songs that are to lead your heart in times when you can't lead your heart, right? To lead your heart to God, to focus on him and to be thankful um, to God because he is good always. He doesn't change. And thank you guys for being there with us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. And thanks for joining us in this episode. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. We wanted to quickly tell you about our six-week online parenting mentor program. Isaac and I created a powerful biblical curriculum. Here's how it works. Each week, Isaac and I release a video with a downloadable parenting packet to make it easy for you and your spouse to incorporate those teachings directly into your parenting. 
It's an incredible program where we cover everything from obedience, training, to overcoming mistakes most Christians are making. But more than that, it's an incredible community. You'll have access to our private online group, live webcasts, and the Courageous Parenting text message line where Angie and I can send you weekly encouragements straight to your phone. If you're interested in joining our next online parenting mentorship program, secure your spot now at CourageousParenting.com. That's CourageousParenting.com.